0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. We're studying stewardship this quarter, and today uh, we'll be talking about materialism. And as we look at materialism, I, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19 we're going to look at verses 16 through 22. Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 through 22. Materialism is the, the subject today. I should have powdered my forehead so the light wouldn't reflect off of it. <laughs> I've got one of those little things in the tub that catches hairs. And there's a lot of hairs in there. I don't, I don't know where they're coming from. But uh, in any event, Matthew chapter 19 verses 16 and 22. While you're turning there... I think all of us have heard the quote about uh, John D. Rockefeller when he was asked, you know, how much money is enough money? And he replied, just a little bit more. But some of the things that we don't know about, may not know about John Rockefeller, is that he said this, and this is a quote from him, I had no ambition to make a fortune. Mere money making has never been my goal. I had an ambition to build. And then it said that he, from his very first paycheck, Rockefeller tied 10% of his earnings to his church. And as his wealth grew, so did his giving. He didn't stop at 10%, but he did his giving not only to the church, but to educational public health causes, but also for basic sciences and the arts. Money can be an idol, money can be materialism, and that's why I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, at the beginning but let's read uh, matthew chapter 19 uh, verses 16 through 22 verse 16 says a very familiar passage you know you know this uh, and behold one came and said unto him good master what good thing shall i do that i may have eternal life well that's a great question isn't it And he, being Jesus, said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? I flipped one extra page there. Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your divinely inspired, divinely preserved word written and left for us that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life and come to know Christ as our savior. Father, hide me behind the cross. Let these dear people hear from you and you alone. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So again, a very familiar passage And you've heard a lot of preaching about it, and I'm not going to rehash much of that passage, but I do want to draw one theme out of that passage that a lot of times is either overlooked or maybe not spent too much time on. And here it is. Our possessions, everything we have, nothing is off limits if you're going to follow Christ. None of our possessions are off limits if we're going to follow Christ. Jesus set before that young man a choice. He said, if you want eternal life, if you want life, you can chase after your materialistic things, your money, your possessions, whatever you have. You can do that. Or you can follow me. And it's your choice. I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to force you, but it's your choice. And sorrowfully, he chose the wrong way. He went away sorrowful back to his possessions. My dear friends, God sets that same choice before each and every one of us today. Are we going to follow materialism, chase after money, power, houses, cars, whatever, or are we going to be willing to say, Jesus, all of my possessions are yours, uh, and I choose to follow you instead of my possessions. And that's the choice that that I have, the choice that you have. My prayer is this today, that we'll get a a scriptural view of what materialism is and what it is not. And to do that, we start by looking at the right way The right way to value material things, and then we'll look at the, contrast it with the wrong way to look at material things. And once we do those two things, then we'll have a, be in a better position to prescribe the remedy, if you will, and the best approach to fight materialism. And so your first blank you should have there is identifying materialism. Uh, one thing I learned in the military is you can't fight an enemy if you don't know who the enemy is. Uh, and sometimes that gets to be difficult and that's the way it is with materialism. But identifying materialism. The dictionary defines materialism this way. It's a doctrine where the highest values or objectives lie in material well-being and the furtherance of material progress. In other words, it's a value system where we, we buy, we spend, we accumulate things. Uh, and that's what's most important in our life. That's our, the main thrust of our life, is to buy, spend, and accumulate. And, and most of us, when we hear a definition like that, we're gonna say, <laughs> that's materialism and it's wrong. That's our pract- That's our professed theology. But I think all of us would have to admit that at sometimes our practical theology, the way we actually live out our lives, might be just a little bit different than our professed theology. We might have some holes in it. And so that's what we're going to be uh, looking at today. We buy things uh, because they make us happy. And, and we can justify, say, well, you know, I bought this. This is an investment. It's going, to be, it's going to accumulate value someday, and, and, and I'll I need that. Or, or I bought this to give to my kids, or my, leave it to my grandkids. You know, that's why I'm accumulating these things. Or, you know, the, the way it is today, everyone has to have the latest cell phone, or the best gadget, or look good, or, you know, it's, it, we used to say keeping up with the Joneses. You know, and so those are some of the things that, that we might say to to justify what we're doing. But let, let me say this, materialism, you just don't, I just don't think you wake up one day and say, I'm going to be materialistic from today on. I think it's a gradual process, a gradual process. If you're like, Judy and I, uh, you couldn't be materialistic when we got married because we didn't have anything. Uh. Her dad asked me, he says, how are you going to support my daughter when you marry her? You know, that was that situation. So we weren't very materialistic. We didn't have anything. But we accumulate wealth. we, We grow and gravitate away from dependence on God, away from spending our time and our resources with God to gradually spending our time, our resources, our efforts, towards materialistic things. And those things that one day in the past was a want, now all of a sudden they become a need. So you see, it's a gradual process of becoming materialistic. And so we don't want to get off track, but money in and of itself, it's not evil. Money is kind of like dynamite. You know, if if you use it right, you can do some pretty good things with dynamite. You can blow a stump out of the ground, clear a field for plowing, things like that. But if you mishandle dynamite, you can cause a lot of harm, uh, and that just goes without saying. Uh, so we have a definition now of materialism. So now let's consider how do, okay. So how do we rightly enjoy materialistic things? They're out there. We have them. It happens. Uh, How do we rightfully enjoy those materialistic things? And how do we use them? So letter A, your blank there should be rightly enjoying material things. Rightly enjoying material things. And to address this, let's turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 1 through 5. This is a very enlightening passage, I believe. And this is a, a set of instructions. You know, Paul wrote to Timothy and you know, talked to him about you're going to be a pastor and this is the way you should be. But I want you to understand what you're reading there. If it had just been for Timothy, it would not be in the Bible. It's in the Bible because that's the word of God that applies to all of us and not just pastors. And we'll look at that in just a second. But First Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5, the apostle Paul writes, Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer." So what we're talking about now is rightly enjoying material things. When Paul wrote these words to Timothy, there were some false teachers out there and they were teaching those people in Ephesus. uh, They were forbidding marriage. Uh, They were telling them to stay away from uh, some certain foods and don't enjoy those. Uh, They taught that a person... If you did this, you you could become more spiritual if you didn't get married or if you stayed away from special foods and things like that. Uh, But God, now listen, God speaking through Paul, okay, so this is God saying this. It wasn't Paul and it's not me. Understand, this is God saying it. Not only did he think it was a bad idea, what did he say at the end of verse 1? These are doctrines of devils. So do you understand that not enjoying these things is a doctrine from the devil? Uh, And that's one of the things that Paul said. So in contrast, though, in this passage, in contrast to these doctrines of demons, Paul sets before us, God speaking through Paul, sets before us three principles to teach us How to rightly enjoy material things. And by the way, keep in mind these are material blessings from God. The first principle that we see in this passage is, uh, we listen, we must have a biblical understanding of where these blessings come from. We have to understand and really believe in our hearts that this is where these blessings come from. Verse 4 says, God created all things good by his word. So if God created all things good, then it just follows uh, that nothing is to be refused. Many times you'll hear people say, hey, I got what I got because I earned it. I did it the hard way. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. I kept my shoulder to the wheel, my nose to the grindstone. And all these things that they did to accumulate the blessings that they have. But the truth of the matter is, what they have came from God. God gives them breath in their body. God can stop your breath instantly. God can give you a stroke, and you can be restricted to your bed, and you can't go work that job and make that paycheck. Ultimately, the ability to work, to have the knowledge, to fill out the resume, to be qualified for that job, that, those are blessings that come from God that allow you to get money to buy things and to have things. So we, the biblical understanding that we must have, this is the foundation, we've got to have it in our heart, blessings come from God. He's the source of everything We have, and we are talking about stewardship. Everything we have comes from God, and we need to understand that. The second thing is we should thankfully receive material things from God. If we are thankful, then we are acknowledging that God gave us the gift. If I have a hundred dollars and I don't thank you for giving it for me, then you didn't give it to me. Are you with me? Where did our gifts come from? From God. So if we're thankful to God, if we understand He gave them, and, we, and once we pray and say thank you, Lord, for what You've given me, then we acknowledge Him as the source of our blessings. We acknowledge Him that He gave us these gifts, and these are not entitlements. These are gifts. Uh, and when we're thankful. For the gifts, then we see our role as stewards of his gifts, of his belongings. Third, we pray about our use of the material things God blesses us with. And when we pray, we are humbly acknowledging God's kindness to us and giving us those gifts. He has blessed us. He is kind to us when he gives us those gifts. Through prayer, we express our dependence on him for them. If we understand God's given them, then if we need something else in the future, it's got to come from our source, which is God, as long as we understand that he's our source. Through prayer, we set our hearts on the will of the creator for his creation and through prayer we look to God to help us to rightly uh, enjoy rightly enjoy the blessings that he gives us uh, that he's provided for us and for him and by his will for us to rightfully and properly steward those gifts that he's shared with us that he's given us God's word addresses stewardship throughout the Bible in in several passages. I have two here I'm going to read real quick. Proverbs 25, uh, 16. You don't have to turn there, but the question is asked, hast thou found honey? You got something to eat? You got honey? Hast thou found honey? Then he says, eat so much as is sufficient for thee. Don't overindulge, in other words lest thou be filled therewith and it. So use it properly. 1 Timothy 6:17 is a good verse. It says, charge them that are rich in this world. Timothy is telling him, so we need to understand this is for us, that they be not high-minded, not trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things Catch these last two words, to enjoy. The things that God gives us, he expects us to enjoy, but not over-enjoy, as the honey was talking about. So I'm going to give you a brief summary of what we just talked about. I'm going to give you three letter Bs, okay? B, leave in what God says in the Bible. B, thankful for things, and B, in prayer uh, concerning your stewardship of his things. And as we gradually a turn, you know, if, as we gradually turned our attention from God to material things, what happens is those material things now become idols, his gifts, things become idols, and that brings us to our second topic here, letter B, uh, is idolizing material things, idolizing material things. and Please understand, all of this has to do with the heart. But material is essentially misplacing value on money and possessions. Vibrant colors, delicious food, beautiful music, sensual pleasures, sweet aromas. These are all gifts from God that we are to enjoy But at the same time, it helps us understand who they came from and take our attention to the creator of all these things. When you go out and look at a beautiful sunset, you didn't make that sunset. Man did not make that sunset. God made it. So when we look at the sunset, when we smell those beautiful roses or flowers, that should point us to God and say, Lord, thank you. For allowing this beautiful sunset, and thank you for allowing me to have eyes to see this sunset and to enjoy it. Thank you for being able to smell to enjoy the aromas of the roads. So the rose. and so what we're doing. Those those things were there to point us to God and to cause us to worship Him. Uh, in the beginning, that's the way it was. But when sin entered the picture. Man became treasuring, began treasuring the gifts more than the giver. And today, man bows down to nice vacations. We've got to have them. We've got to have that job that gives us power and status. Uh, we've got to have this 65-inch TV. We might not be able to see the golf ball if we don't. You know, we can't, you know, far be it from us to only have a 42-inch or a 55 or whatever. We've got to have that big one. Uh, And then successful portfolios, we've we've got to have money, 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 more money. Uh, And those things are idols. That's idolatry to live like that. We idolize money and possessions when we trust them rather than trusting God. Or when our love for them rivals the love for God. I knew a guy that loved to go to church, loved his pastor, but you know what? His team was playing, and it was a close game. And he stayed, and they went into overtime, and he stayed home and watched that instead of going to church. And then he got so mad when they lost, he picked up something through the TV and had to buy a new TV. But he realized the error of his ways. But people can do that. They can idolize and follow their favorite team. They've got got to be there when they're playing, You've got to see that. So uh, we can fall gradually into idolatry. And the truth of the matter is it can be extremely difficult. I I think every Christian has wrestled with the fact, you know, I've got this thing. I've got this gift, whatever. I understand it comes from God. Am I idolizing it? it? Is it something... Am I becoming materialistic? And I think we've all wrestled with that. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to give you, and I think they're in your notes, uh, the self-assessment questions that help us to reflect on on whether or not we're idolizing things. So number one is uh, does owning or desiring something, we have X there, distract you from what God has called you to do, uh, to be... A parent, to be a provider, uh, to be uh, a Christian, to be in church. Are you more engrossed in doing those things than taking care of, being there with your family uh, and and your kids and things like that? Uh, Proverbs 28, 6 says, better is the poor. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways though he be rich. Better to be poor and walk with God than rich and walk without him. Is what you do, in what do you you delight is the next uh, self-assessment question we have there. You know, it's it's fine to get excited about a big game or delicious meal. (laughs) New clothes, things like that. But when these things become our lifestyle, well, we have to have these things. Uh, then uh, we give more time, more money, more affection uh, to these things rather than giving more honor, more praise to God. If people know us for our things, or do they know us for our God? Do people know us more for our things, or they, do they know us more for our God? Oh, those people down there, they're the ones with that, uh, they get a brand new car every year. They got the latest and greatest and all that. Or they know us for the people that every morning you can set your clock because that's when they, every Sunday morning, that's when they leave for church every Sunday night. That's when they leave for church every Wednesday night. uh, And that's where they know us for the God that we serve or the things that we have. Psalm 73, 25, and 26. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, or, faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The qu- third question is, how do you react when something is taken away? What if you lost a loved one, your car burn up in a fire, or your stock market crashed and you don't have those savings. How do you react to those things? Depression, anxiety, anger, these types of emotions when you lose something kind of points to the attitude of your heart and where you're at with these things. How do you feel toward others who have more than you? Sometimes it's easy to covet what others had and say, you know, if I only had that, then I'd be happy. If I had a bigger house, if I had a newer car, if I had a better job, if I'd have got promoted last time instead of that other guy because he didn't deserve it, I deserved it. Uh, Things like that, those can be uh, idols. Uh, Luke 12, 15 says, and he said unto him, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things. That's not what life consists of. In the abundance of things that we possess, Luke 12, 15. Then number five is, how do you react when you feel insecure? I'll bring this out. We need to recognize that it's not just greed that's materialism. It can also be fear as well. Uh, We have to have that ultra expensive home security system or iron bars on our windows because somebody might want to break in and hurt us. Even though there's not been any crime in our neighborhood, uh, we may think we have to have that. And so that can be an idol as well. Proverbs 1810 10, 11 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and, it is, and is safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and a, as an high wall in his own conceit, he puts his trust in riches rather than the Lord. And so now let's let's look at number three. There is fighting materialism, fighting materialism. I'm trying to hurry on so we get through this, but. Uh, We've identified materialism in our life, and, and honestly, I think, again, all of us will wrestle with it at one point or another. But here's eight ways uh, to fight materialism. First off, treasure, that's your first blank there, is treasure. Treasure the excellence excellence and beauty of God. Uh, if we're to stop coveting money and possessions, we need something greater and more desirable. You know, it's like put off the old man, put on the new. We we need to replace uh, what we're treasuring. Jesus reminds us that where your treasure is, there will your heart uh, be also in Matthew 6, 12. The second blank there is remind, remind yourself of the danger of materialism. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6 through 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. That's a fairly strong wording uh, from the word of God. Those that will be rich fall into these things. Materialism is not just choosing a different path. Materialism is choosing a different master who's going to control us. So remind yourself of these uh, pitfalls. And then number three, confess materialism as a sin. As we remind ourselves of materialism, we looked at the definition, we agreed with it. We said it's, it's wrong. So if, if we discover anything in our life like that, we need to confess it as a sin. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 40 said, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. And that's not there because it might happen to one or two people down through the years. It can happen to anyone. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. We need to keep a check on ourselves, Keep the pulse of of our life, if you will. Number four, fight for faith to rest in God. So the blank there is fight. What does it mean for you to tangibly trust in God? To trust in God rather than your money or possessions. Uh, If we're fearful, it means not to worry about things. If we're greedy, it means focusing less on building your wealth and more on loving God with your time and your possessions. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have where he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. And if you just stop and think about that for a minute, do you want materialistic things or do you want Christ? My materialistic things will leave me or forsake me. They will, they can, they rust, they corrupt, they go away. But Jesus will be there not only for this life, but for all of eternity. And that's, you can't beat that. The missionary Jim Elliott understood this principle well when he said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. It's a wonderful statement. Verse, or number six, give generously. So how do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, uh, that they do good that they be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life Hebrews 13:6 says but to do good and communicate forget not for with such sacrifices God is well pleased we need to be giving generously and then number 7 uh, the blank there is create Create a budget. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24 says, Be thou diligent, diligent, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. God is telling us, hey, have a budget. Know what's going on. Uh, inventory what you have so that you know what's there. And once you know things are there uh, and you can be more measured, more thoughtful, and more disciplined in the way you spend or give your money. Number eight, talk with others about it. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. So take a self-assessment. Look at where you're really at. Honestly look at it and maybe find someone you can talk to if if you have a question about something, uh, someone you can trust, someone that's not going to repeat your state, but find someone to talk to and, and let them give you an honest assessment and be willing to hear it. And then make a plan and act on it. You know, all of us, all of us fight materialism in some way or another, and I believe that. But we need to learn to enjoy the things that god has blessed us with he is our source he's provided us provided us these gifts these blessings of life every single day just to wake up uh, just to be able to read the word just to be able to pray and talk to him uh, great and wonderful blessings uh, but we need to learn to enjoy these things the way that God intended. And, and when we do that, we'll experience a change in our hearts. We'll feel better about our situation, what we have, what we don't have, what to let go of, what not to let go of, and things like that. And we will, we will, we will view money as a tool to do good rather than as something to hoard. We will see ourselves as stewards who will be prepared to give an account to Jesus, which we all will for everything that he has blessed us with. Uh, We will hold our possessions loosely with an open and generous hand rather than tightly with a clenched and selfish fist. It always feels good to give and that's because it pleases God. Experience joy by trusting in God rather than sadness by trusting in our wealth. I knew a guy that was very, very wealthy. He thought the stock market was going to go bad, and he called his broker, and he said, look, I want you to move everything into something safe, and that was on a Friday. The broker says, got it, but Alabama was playing. He was an Alabama fan, and off he went to see the game. He'll take care of it on Monday. Monday was Black Monday. This guy lost everything he owned. He had to turn in his wife's jewelry, her furs, everything that they had, his mountaintop estate and all that. And now he's working uh, in Virginia Beach, and I know him. He's a good, godly man. Uh, he doesn't hold any grudges against his broker. Uh, but all that material, all that money, everything he had was gone just like that. And it can happen to any of us. So. That's our lesson for today, and I pray that this lesson, you know, has given us all a clearer insight. Yes, sir. I missed five. I probably did. My fingers are dry, in uh, trying to turn the pages. Number five. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, fight the faith. Think about heaven. When Jesus says, I behold, I come quickly with my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus is coming back, and we do get rewards for how we managed his uh, estates as, as a good steward. So in any event, I hope that uh, helps us all. Uh to have a better idea of materialism, what it means biblically and how we're to respond to it, but that we should enjoy things. And so the next time we'll feel a little better when we stand up and we say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this study. I pray, Lord, uh, that you have spoken to others. Have you spoken to my heart as I put this together? Lord, uh, we do want to fight materialism. We do want to stand in front of Jesus and give a good report of how we have handled the gifts that he has given given us. Lord, uh, and help us to rightfully enjoy the blessings that you want us to enjoy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening If you have questions about your relationship with God Or you would like to know more About the ministry of Good News Baptist Church Please visit us online At goodnewsbaptist.org Or call us At 757-488-3241 We encourage you To share this message with others We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life.